And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry. Hear that local shouting. It's Dinger and Jay. It's Dinger and Jay. All right, welcome into the latest edition to hear that podcast growling. Probably not you and Jay Morrison. Of the athletic, excited to be with you on a Tuesday. A lot to get to today. It's our free agency preview, Jay. Yes. Are you excited for that? Well, I mean, it's not as exciting as the last couple of years, but um, it's it's interesting. I, I would say I'm moderately excited. This is really going to be. Um, it's going to take us take me back to my roots on this beat a little bit of having to talk people down. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> having to let people know, like, look, I want to prepare you for the disappointment, uh, and so you know, don't shoot the messenger. Just remember that. Um, and as we go forward here, and and remember that, look, free agency is upon us. Does not mean the Bengals are going to be going bananas in the first five minutes as they have the last couple of years. We will get into that later with Mo Egger when he joins us on the show, as he does every Tuesday. Um, excited to bring him on. We are going to dive into your questions. We feel like we've laid it all out there. We've explained what we have to ex- explain. We brought everything that we had seen, heard, listened to, drank and talked about last week at the Combine to you all over. Go to The Athletic right now if you want to read all of those tidbits, nuggets, mocks, rankings, all there for you. Uh, Dane Brugler has a mock-up on The Athletic today. Go check that out. We'll discuss a little bit of that here in a little bit. But you had your questions. You sent a bunch in. I got wait, I got 10. I picked I picked the top 10-ish uh, from all different areas, mostly free agency, some draft, some extension, some people wondering about how fast we are. Uh, we'll get to all of that later on. Uh, on the show, um, but we're going to kind of try to keep this very free agent centric here today. Um, let's start though with news. Uh, so the news uh, of the day right now was what happened late last night into overnight uh, surrounding the residence of Joe Mixon in Anderson. Obviously, there's a lot of speculation out there um, as to what was going on as it was going down. Here's the facts that are, as have been reported uh, by multiple outlets now at this point, that are that are out there, that are sort of the basics of this case to remember for those that are wondering. Um, there was a call for a shots fired incident that happened in Anderson near Mixon's home um, last night around eight thirty-five. Um, after that, uh, a juvenile was taken to the hospital. Uh, reasons for going to the hospital not disclosed. So 
We don't know if it's because he was shot um, specifically. Um, Mixon's residence and another were both cordoned off uh, as police deputies and others uh, arrived. Eventually, after trying to get in uh, and knocking the door for a while, deputies did enter Mixon's residence. They left. Nobody was arrested. Joe Mixon's role in any incident is unclear. That's what we know. Those are the basics of the case. If it evolves any further than that, obviously we will let you know. But for what it is, it's something surrounding Joe Mixon's house. We don't even, there's not even any proof or knowledge that he was even in the house. Was it his house? Yeah, we know it's his house. Uh, but was it him? Was he gone? I, there, there's just, and until you know anything specific, all we can go with is what we got. Yeah. And I mean, who knows if we get more, if they did not make an arrest, the, the police have been pretty tight lipped about this. So if they're not going to make an arrest, they may not release any more information. The case that happened downtown um, back the day before the bills game and then came up and was charged a couple weeks later, obviously was dismissed. Um, but this is two sort of things where all of a sudden Joe Mixon's in the news involving guns. Who knows where the reality lives? It's not a great look. He can't change that, whether it's his fault or not. Um, and that's part of it. We will see that that case, the downtown one was left open uh, to be brought back up once further investigation was done. That was essentially admitted to be totally botched um, in the investigation in the first time around. So that's still open to be brought up. It has not been brought back up. It's still just sitting out there. So that's where all those things stand. Obviously, Joe Mixon has been much discussed for what his future will be on this team through a football lens. Um in recent weeks and the, and we've gone in that in depth lately. So we won't go further back into that other than to say something's happening. Um, they're going to ask him to take a pay cut. He's either going to decide to do it or not, or maybe they won't ask him to, maybe the pay cut would just be so drastic. He'll be so um, put off by it that he walks. That's what typically happens and has happened from a Bengals team that has never restructured. They've, tried to before and maybe that changes maybe they look at it now and say all right let's structure these things the way we need to them to have them set up for a joe burrow contract maybe it changes their thinking but there just is no precedent it's literally never happened uh <laughs> so just keep that in mind when we talk about uh the potential of restructuring joe mixon but i'm sure they're gonna try to let's go to this jay you know i think that i think let's let's do a little bit of a combine recap we we had the two shows last week um where we went into everything we sort of were seeing and hearing specifically through a team lens as we spent a lot of time talking to people through the Bengals, agents, people, you know, generally connected to the club or at least with knowledge of them and tried to bring as much as we had there, um, including, you know, pretty off the cuff on Thursday morning. I'm not going to lie. We're coming in pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of letting them fly. Uh, a, a few of the half-baked 1 a.m. takes, I think, snuck their way in there. But, you know, we're just trying to trying to give you the real experience. 
but we didn't really kind of go into some of the players and you spent a lot of the weekend seeing these picks uh run jump all these things let's just here's how i wanted to do this jay let's go through the Bengals lens i i, I kind of have these six positions really of sort of prioritized positions um and really it covers a lot of ground that I means most of them uh but Let's just pick one player with some quick thoughts on somebody um, that is kind of has a Bengals uh, take to it. Let's um, let's start on the offensive line. Who you got? Well, I had this before Dane even on Dane Brugler's new mock. He has them taking Anton Harrison. Um, he he had the second fastest forty. And he was second in the broad jump. Now you can argue how much that that plays into um, how good a player is going to be, especially an offensive lineman. But the interesting thing is that um, he he's got long enough arms for for what the Bengals want from an offensive lineman. You look at all these mock drafts; nobody, none of the ones I've seen, have had Anton Harrison going ahead of twenty eight. The, the assumption is he's he will be there for the Bengals at twenty eight. Um, now you, you can't predict these things, but you, I do wonder now with, with those numbers turning up from the combine, does he jump a little bit? Um, and, and a team, every team says what the Bengals say, not enough offensive linemen out there. Does somebody take him ahead of 28? The, the one thing that really, the number that may be the most important, and it's not from the combine, it's, it's the, it's the oldest number on his bio, Going back to the day he was born, he just turned 21 last month. He's going to be the same age when he's eligible, when uh, he's extension eligible as some of these guys coming out right now. So if you're looking at a guy that can help you now and in the future, the the combine numbers and that that little baby number of only turning 21 years old last month those those are attractive for the Bengals. Yeah. Um- you know, the interesting thing was when when we were looking at the, you know, Dane's top 100, there was this big gap between sort mm-hmm. of the, the top three tackles expected to go off the board pretty early and not even be in the vicinity of the Bengals. And till like midway to late into what would be a second round, you know, only one player was there between like 13 and 52 in his group. And it seemed to be this hole. Uh, where the Bengals are picking. But when you see a couple of guys, you know, that's a perfect example there. Uh, with Harrison, you, where you're, you're, that could jump up, that maybe the combine helps them sneak into that late first round, be wor- prove worthy as a bit of a project. You know, with, that's exactly what they would want. Mm-hmm. Somebody who can come in, has played both sides, could be a swing, and then eventually um, can develop into your left tackle. Has played left tackle, has this the physical ability to do it might just need a, a year of work, but in the meantime can be your swing can play right. Can, can help you out in a pinch. That's, that's kind of the ideal scenario for what they were looking for. I, I came away. I'll mention Darnell Wright from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Who's a right tackle, you know, kind of called a one-year wonder. He was at left and it just not, none of it was good. Moved over to right and had a great year. And all of a sudden he's on everybody's radar. Um, you know, he seems he seems a fit and would, would probably be the one of those that would be there at right tackle. The question for me is, would they take someone that they know if they believe they look at 
any of these guys and say, you're just going to be a right tackle. Um, I don't, you know, I think that they still would um, take that, but I, I do wonder uh, if it was okay. First, the setup of a Harrison uh, where it's going to be left and right um, into the future. There's a lot more value in that for them than there is in somebody who's just going to be right. Cause then you still have the problem of your long-term left tackle not taken care of and you you kind of want to have that on the mind as well where you feel like maybe it's a little easier to fill gaps at right tackle um but maybe a little less so at left we can argue about the value of those two positions against each other anymore and how they're more similar now than they were in the past however um i think that's going to be i think that is part of the equation for them let's go to let's just keep it on offense Uh, let's go to running back who's your who's your person at running back uh yeah an interesting one um chase brown from illinois that not in dane's top 15 running backs uh well he i think that was january when he put that list out he was the nation's number three rusher um he played five years at illinois but he's only 22 um he, he was the only running back at the combine to hit 40 inches in the vertical again you say what you will about how how these things translate but he he ran a four point four three forty. He was that was fifth best among running backs. I just it's a he's a guy that you can see where the combine really helps him and and he moves up some. But it's still probably one of those guys that you think the is going to fall in that area where third, fourth, fifth round a, a running back that hits the Bengals right, where a guy that can come in be a project. You bring P Ryan back. We'll get to that stuff later. But um, he he's a guy that. Never really had a huge load until last year. And we've talked about that in the past, too, where the, the Bengals really like these guys that that kind of have shared carries through college and don't come into the NFL with substantial wear and tear on their bodies. Um, so I just I thought he was an interesting guy that that really improved his stock last week. Yeah, um, I'm going to mention Zach Charbonnet from UCLA. I had him as a second round pick in the original mock draft that I did for a reason um, because the Bengals love second round running backs. They do look around, look around this place. The last 10 years, it's been that over and over again. Bernard Hill Mixon. I mean, this is who they've been. This has been their rushing attack. Their leading rushers have been these guys when they need a running back, when they feel like it's time to add to the running back room, they go to the second round three times now and feel like it's been very successful for them. This is a guy who seems a perfect fit for what they're looking for. Elusive, nice hands out of the backfield. Uh, comes from UCLA where they're constantly adding people from, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I, I think he's a, he's an ideal fit for, I think what they're looking for out of the mm. position, he would be a second round. He could be there in that late second round spot, um, to filling a position of need. I think it would be an aggressive play. I, I don't see them doing the first round running back unless by some total freak show miracle, Bijan Robinson's <laughs> ends up at 28. But I mean, you know, if you're talking about an aggressive play at that position, it just stands out just because so many things connect in my eyes there for their history and then who that guy is who would be there. Just a name to continue to keep it up. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, all right, Jay, let's go to receiver. This is a great segue because you talk about history and patterns and what what the Bengals like to do. And this this just stands out as a... Uh, like a, a throwback and it, it's Bryce Ford Wheaton, uh, 6'4", 221, um, ran a 4'3", 8". All those numbers are very close to one Chris Henry, who also mm. came out of West Virginia and came to a Bengals team with a quarterback drafted number one overall and two really strong wide receivers in, mm. in Chad and TJ to be that deep vertical threat. I mean, he doesn't have blazing speed, but he's 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 a guy that's going to stretch the field, good on contested catches. I don't know if you want to say he's a one-trick pony. Maybe he develops. Um, he, he's probably a day three receiver. Um, I just – he was a guy that that really intrigued me when those – I see those the, – the, the 40 time and the, his vertical – both his 40 time and vertical were better – than Chris Henry, but that's kind of 20 years later. That's just the, the natural progression of athletes. They get bigger, stronger, faster, all of that. Um, it, it's a guy that just uh, – that connection there, that West Virginia connection and the, the whole pieces together was a guy that stood out to me. Um, I'm going to talk about who most people are talking about right now when it goes to the receivers after the combine, and that's Jackson Smith and Jigba from yeah. Ohio State who just lit it up in with showing off his movement skills. He didn't run a 40, doesn't need to. Uh, I mean, when you – talk about production and everything else he has to show the way he looked running routes. He, he looks special. Um, I think he combined his way out of the Bengals sites. <laughs> yes. and, and that's kind of my takeaway from it was, you know, before I, I had the Bengals getting him, Dane had him available to the Bengals uh, at 28 when we were going through our mock off season stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I mean, he's just ideal. He's he's the heir apparent to Tyler Boyd. He gives you insane uh, fourth weapon uh, here for one year, uh, 
you're still investing in 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 the weaponry that we know they that matters so much to them that Burrow can win with guys that can separate and get open quickly and in Jigba just he seems really special. Um, this class is not very top heavy. Uh, there's not your clear ones. There's not your chase. There's not your Traylon Burks. I think Dane Brugler was on with Robert Mays yesterday on the Athletic NFL Show, and they were talking about how. You know, in Jigba is probably maybe the number one receiver in this class, but he might have been sixth or seventh last year, even. Um, but the point doesn't take away from him. He's kind of a slot only. Now, mm. now, maybe that will have some teams pass on him that don't feel like they either a value it as much or b have a need there. And maybe that brings the potential for a slide. I just don't see it after what we saw in the combine. And that really makes it feel like he was kind of taken off the board for them. But man, he he to me would be a dream, would be a dream fit when you're talking about building for the future and what's next for this team. Uh let's go to tight ends. Uh position with all eyes on for the Bengals uh, mm-hmm. as they head into the a draft where they'll need one or two. Um, what do you think? Uh, this kind of fits what what Brian Callahan told us at the combine, where you know it's it's less likely they're looking for one of those first round guys. It's a guy that they're getting in the mid rounds can develop. You looking for someone like that that fits the mold, and it, it's the opposite of of what I was talking about with these young guys before. Zach Kuntz from Old Dominion, um, he's going to be twenty four in June. He stayed. He could have come out and he stayed to work on developing his game. And that's exactly what the Bengals are looking for. And a guy that is is going to embrace that idea of not coming in and being, uh, uh, I mean, the, everybody wants to fight and win a starting job, but he's, he's a guy that's not afraid to, to put in the grunt work and to try to get better. Um, he had the second fastest 40 of any tight end at the, at the combine 4.55. He was first in the vertical broad jump and three cone. I mean, he, he, he was the combine star for the tight ends. Maybe that, that boosts him up and he's, he's not that third, fourth round guy. Um, also of interest there, he is six, seven. He would be the tightest, the, the tallest tight end to catch a pass for the Bengals, uh, tying him with Matt Langle. Blast Ooh, from the past. Matt Langle. Wow. Yes. Wow. Um, Matt Langle, who I remember doing a story about in the Super Bowl when he went to the Super Bowl with New England in the year where he was cut by the mm-hmm. Bengals, if you want some weird oddities. Um, <laughs> later caught a touchdown pass from Tom Brady. Good for Matt Langle. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to talk about Darnell Washington. I mean, here's the thing. Did he pick the sled up and carry it eight yards? <laughs> like, we, this guy – we. We knew, I mean, you saw, just if you know, you just did any general research uh, mm-hmm. reading the basics on these guys, you know he's going to be big, he's going to go out there, he looks like, you know, you've got a sixth offensive lineman at tight end, he weighs in at 265 pounds, he looks like he's 290, Like I mean, he's just huge, he moves, I mean, he's an unbelievable blocker, so big and strong. But then this happens, he ends up with the third best overall number in the short shuttle. Not tight end. Overall. Only Jackson Smith and Jigba and Brents from Kansas State, the cornerback from Kansas State, had better than his 4.08. That's incredible. Yeah. Like, that is unbelievable because that's the thing, right? It's fine. It's it's the same conversation as the athlete, like a sickie. 
right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Or, and, and people would put maybe Koontz in that, that scene right. of can you block a soul if you're talking about those guys? Well, it's the same thing if you have a big guy. Can, how, can you even be any kind of threat in the passing game? When you see that number and you see some of the athleticism that's on tape from him, you understand the value, how he can really help the Bengals as an as an, the extra offensive lineman and what that could be, especially if you paired him with if your other tight end is a little bit more of a pass-catching athletic guy and you can kind of work them both ways. I, I just, you know, how many times we see the Bengals go out there and what do they do? They trot out uh, 79 eligible receiver, right? <laughs> They're just like constantly doing this. They love to bring in the third, the sixth offensive lineman, the third tackle. You wouldn't need to do that. You already got that dude. If you have Darnell Washington, mm-hmm. uh, you can have somebody who's a real threat to throw it to um, and, and a f- crazy freak athlete that stands out. Whereas it's one thing to say, okay, here he's an, he's really big and can really help you in the run game. But the, tr- the ability to truly be dynamic in both potentially um, stands out for me where then if that's somebody that's available at 28, you're standing there saying, well, I don't mm-hmm. know. maybe I am considering this. Maybe I'm going to take the luxury pick, the non-premium position pick, because he can help you in a number of different ways. All right, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, let's go defensive line. Yeah, so uh, Jalen Redmond, defensive tackle. Uh, he's not because he didn't go to Pitt. He's not getting the Aaron Donald comps that Cansey is, which is totally unfair. And but this is a guy that he's he's in that mold. I mean, six two two ninety one. He's just a little bit taller than than Gino and Aaron Donald at six one. Um, ran a four point eight one forty, second fastest among defensive tackles led the all defensive tackles in the vertical, the broad jump, and the three cone. Again, you've got a big guy that moves very, very smooth, lower body explosion. Um, he was turning head at the senior bowl. Now he does it again at the combine. Again, the, the age is such a weird thing with these guys because you have the the COVID year. You've got that extra year of eligibility. And, and Zach even talked about how it's something that they they they're gonna have to kind of evaluate and see how that that works out with these older guys coming in. And he is one of them. He turns 24 next month. Um, but just really, really impressive numbers. And, and we've talked about the need to get some more push inside. He played more of straight up nose, but easily a guy that, I mean, he had all kinds of pressure rates and, and, and sacks. And he's doing that while having to move laterally to get away from the center, lining up over the nose. You just put him straight at a three technique. He pairs really well with BJ Hill. Um, I missed I missed the name right off the top. I missed oh, you saying who the name was. Yeah, Jalen Redmond. Thank you. Okay, there yes, we go. Yes. Sorry, I'm, I was like, okay, he he who you got your word <laughs> drop the name in here again. I'm, I just missed the I thought name I did. right off Maybe the top. I didn't. You, no, I, yeah. you did it. I just uh, missed it. Oh, okay. Uh, um, okay, because it, a lot of the things were sounding similar in mm-hmm. some ways to a guy who I want to mention, and I'm going to get it right. Adatame. <laughs> Adabarie from Northwestern. Um, talk of the combine, obviously. This is not me bringing this up. But my guy that I saw, everyone saw this. I mean, this was somebody who came out of abs. Not gonna say nowhere, but kind of out of nowhere. I mean, when you talk about just an absolute freak show workout. I mean, where you're 6'2", 282, you have 34 inch arms. And you're running these, you're you know, one of the the fastest, what fastest 
run fastest 40 by somebody who's mm-hmm. over uh over 280 pounds i mean this this is crazy stuff and and ha- you know again started to show at the senior bowl so where would he fit right I, is a kind of a question here this area he's a little shorter. I don't know if they'll care as much about the shortness because of his length. It's mm-hmm. you know, six two, they might not like as much, uh, but they they'll get a they'll be fine with it. Uh spe- specifically because of 34 inch arms. But I mean that kind of athleticism, the ability to move to go outside, to come inside, do a little bit of both. Luana Rumo loves that versatility up and down the line. But you look at who they've employed, they want you. Between 260 and 270, 270-ish, low 270s, and 6'4", six, 6'5", six, as an edge, that's like everyone they've taken, everyone they've employed recently, mm-hmm. played. Or they want you up north of 290, up around 300 for a three technique. I mean, they drafted Zach Carter last year who was in this range, and they made him bulk up. They made him go up into the 290s uh, to be a little bit bigger. Is that something they would do with Adabare? I don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, he's obviously intriguing, and he's somebody that feels like he could be there at sixty as a total traits prospect. Um, where you're just saying, man, if if he figures it out, um, he's a truly elite athlete at a premium position. Um, he's on. He should be. He should be in in the circle, the circle of trust. Yeah, in the uh, in the second round pick range potentially something to think about. Um, let's go to corner. Yeah, so this one's interesting. If we're talking what stands out to you at the combine, then then Julius Brents from Kansas State had an incredible. I don't say incredible because he it was interesting. He, fifth in the vertical, first in the three cone, but he was thirty first. In the 40-yard dash, he ran a 4.53. You probably don't want corners that are that low on speed. Um, he's not in Dane's top 15, but if, if like you said, if something happens where they fall in love with Darnell Washington and they go with the luxury pick first and, they, and they've got other needs, the assumption, what I'm working off is there's, they're not taking a cornerback after the first or second round because they don't do that. I mean, name the last Bengals cornerback that they drafted that had any kind of impact after the second round. I mean, I, I went back through. I, I couldn't find anything last 20, 25 years. You could argue Mike Hilton. He was an undrafted guy, but they, the Bengals didn't take him. They waited. They saw the he, he proved himself in, in Pittsburgh, and then he, he came over in free agency. So it doesn't fit their M.O., but he if maybe it's maybe it's their double-up position, and maybe they go corner early and then get another one in the mid-round. He would be a mid-round guy. He's probably – Maybe a late day two, but more likely a day three guy. But just those those other numbers popping off, and he's got the thirty four inch arms too, which you know Lou loves the the length on on the corners. Um, so interesting dichotomy with all those numbers being really strong. Yet the, maybe he just ran a bad forty. You, you don't know, but uh, he he's he intrigues me. Yeah, that'd be the question where you say to you know you're talking to Duke or Mike Potts or whoever uh, saying does. Does the does a slow forty match with? Does he look slow on tape? Is it where you go back and revisit the tape and see if you miss something? You'd be like, yeah, you know what? Maybe it just was bad for. Maybe he reruns at a pro day or something. Um, mm. What you mentioned, you know, I go back to the Bengals are returning to build and sustain deep roster mode, right? Um, when you're when you're doing that, last time they did that, what did we see? 
corner, corner, right. corner, right? Yep. Taking them early, taking them often, having them for the future. You know, from 12 to 16, they took they took three corners in those five drafts. Barely any of them played right away. Now, this is a different this is a different regime. It's a different era. They do a lot of things differently now. It's still Duke Tobin. It's still a, a philosophy there. They still really value that as a premium, premium position. They still will have Chidabe Awuzie being a free agent after this year. He's coming off an ACL. You know, they're not going to bring Eli Apple back. Um, so what are we talking about? Um I just think it's very real. Uh, you know, guys like we've been having the eyes around Deontay Banks from Maryland. You know, he tests well. He's physical. He's got the arm length. He ran fast. Like, mm-hmm. check, check, check. A bunch of the boxes. He, I would go into the JSN mode the same way. Uh, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Did he test his way out of the Bengals range? Yeah. Uh, you know, when you go out there and you 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 play like you look like that. So to be determined. But Banks is one where it's like, okay. If that that just really seems like a fit with who the Bengals profile when they when they draft like this and things like that to keep to keep in mind. Also, like, what, what's going to happen if they were to take Joey Porter Jr.? Do we <laughs> do we have to? Can I? I, I guess we. You'd have to bring in Pac Man go yeah. Instagram live or Love <laughs> and Jerry Porter. I mean, can we get a, like a full recreation his, of his, that? His, his Bengals debut, you have Joey Porter and Pac-Man in a suite watching Jerry Porter Jr. Or Joey Do Porter you? Jr. make his debut. Do you though? Oh, like yeah. That's, yeah I, make uh, amends. and <laughs> Would they? Where are we at with that? That's what yeah. I want to That's what I want to know. That's what I want to know. Where are we at with that? Uh, maybe Those they've seem been like friends guys that can hold grudges. Yeah, maybe maybe they've been friends ever since. Who <laughs> I knows? Doubt it. I yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know that. Um, so anyway, that's that's kind of a quick, just a quick snapshot of a few names to think of as we get forward in the draft. Now again, we're we're gonna kind of go into free agency here, um, and we want to we're gonna focus most of the, a lot of the rest of the episode here on free agency, but we wanted to make sure we kind of got one last chance to tick through some takeaways from the combine and things to keep in mind. Cause it all, you know, it all plays together and, and they're not going to be so active this week to the point where, you know, it's going to be a matter of what they can refill from their own to determine what spots are still left available. And that will change the dynamic. You know, I kind of wrote about this where if, if, if they go out this week and just what they wanted the tight end market to be, it just isn't, right? Now, I'll be stunned uh, because I think the market's going to be drastically suppressed when you think about all of these tight ends that you just saw, all types, record-setting depth in the tight end class. Um, When you consider that, that's only one thing that can happen is the market comes to you a little bit in free agency. And I think they're going to want to have one. They're going to want to have a couple already under contract. Um, and so that will lessen the need for someone to come in right away. Theoretically, that's going to, but those, they go hand in hand. So if you come, you come out of next week or two, the next two weeks, I should say, um, really, because it, it might take you to the end of March. Mm. Where you're actually signing a tight end, depending on how that market goes, you're waiting for the bottom to fall out a little bit. 
um, what did you get? And did you are you really confident in it? And maybe that's what swings the tide when you start talking about the different levels. There's so many levels of tight ends. Like all these guys at the top, you could have three, you could have four go in the first round, a bunch of them sitting there. You know, we could talk about Michael Mayer, talk about Washington, um, you know, Dalton Kincaid, whatever. But then you go back there, Sam Laporta in the second round. You could go back to Michigan. Uh, Luke Schoonmaker is, is a third guy who, who looks. He's got a traits guy in the third. You mentioned Kuntz, where you're talking about more tra- your traits guys that you're just like hoping to develop. I mean, I think a lot of it depends on how do you feel about whoever you sign in the next, you know, two three weeks or whatever. I think that's a big part of it. All right, let's just take a quick break. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's bring in our good friend and yours, Mo Egger, as we talk a little bit about free agency. Mo, how are we doing? I'm doing great, guys. What's going on? Not too much. Good to have you back. We missed you last week. I, I missed. Why didn't we do this last week? What happened? Uh, we were in Indianapolis. Yeah. Oh, oh, you yeah. had like a Duke Tobin to talk to and Zach Taylor. I see. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, if it were up to me. I, I mean, I we just want to vary the voices occasionally, but if it were I, me, I totally get it. I I'd totally rather I, I'd rather have you. Um, well, we had to go at night too, and you. I mean, we changed the time on it. you, so that was the problem. Oh, that was it. Yes, that's yeah, it was. Was really, it was busy. That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So here's here's what I want to do. We're we're about to get into a little bit of a kind of a free agent Q and A here. So I wanted to. I do have three downs for you. I'm bringing three downs. Oh wow, back. we're bringing that yeah. back. Okay, very yeah, good. Yeah, I felt like it. Well, we're in the off season now. Got a little bit more time to kill. Mm-hmm. Feels like nothing to argue about bets. So <laughs> we'll go back to that. <laughs> so I want to, but we have a few questions. I want to just pose this one. Okay, and I, I'll answer it kind of first, and and I and kind of take it. I'll say give it to you from there. Mm-hmm. This one was from Tasha B. It was, do you see the Bengals going after any first wave free agents, or do you think this year is about bargain pickups? This year is about bargain pickups. They're not going to be active next week. They might not sign any outside free agents next week. They're going to focus on Vaughn Bell, uh, maybe you know Hayden Hurst, whatever. They're going to focus on the guys that they feel like they need to keep it back together. But I, they're not going to be – this is not going to be the last couple of years. Where do you fall on that? You, I mean, you, you've talked about you want to see them all in, try to go win this year. Are you okay with that? With with, with sitting around next week and having to play the game of the, all right, let's talk about why they're not doing it, or is there, 
is that harder to balance now considering how close they are and what you've seen them be able to accomplish the last couple of years? It's, it's hard because I, I would then last year they were uber aggressive on the offensive line and it paid dividends, right? I mean, the, the offensive line this year was, was better there. They still go into this off season with uh, a legitimate question about the tackle position. They're this close. They're, they're at the doorstep. Um, I would like to be a little bit more aggressive at that position in particular. They're no longer in a position where they have to, you know, overpay for Trey Waynes or DJ Reader players like that. DJ Reader, it's worked. Trey Waynes, it it didn't. But just relative to this not huge glaring need, because it's not like they don't have options. Um, you know, I know you've written about the offensive tackle becoming this team's primary need. Now I am the least qualified person in the United States to tell you how good the draft class is at tackle, but I've read and heard from enough people who seem to be underwhelmed by the class that if you're going to tell me, we're going to go into a, for lack of a better way of putting it, Super Bowl or bust year with the answers, a tackle being Jonah Williams, Jackson, Carmen, maybe Lael Collins and a guy they take with the 28th pick. If if the alternative is be aggressive in free agency on the offensive line, I'm in favor of that. Now, it certainly feels like there's a few tackles available. Um, obviously, Orlando Brown, that situation has maybe changed things a little bit. Perhaps they can still get better by not being hyper aggressive. But I I am in all in mode, and so to me, from a just philosophical standpoint, I want to continue to see them be all in on winning a championship this year. I also know that's not Duke Tobin's job. The job of any GM, you know, he's the de facto GM, guys. I don't know if you. Yeah, I heard that. The job <laughs> of any GM is is to balance uh, short-term considerations with long-term considerations. So his job is to put the team in the best possible position to win this year while also ensuring that they remain competitive moving forward. And yes, their financial situation is about to get uh, a, a lot trickier as as we advance into the uh, the middle part of the decade. But again, like, I, I want to see them win a chance. I think they have a bona fide chance to win the title next year. I don't know that I'm going to be able to say that a year from now. I don't know that I'll be able to say that two years from now. And so when you're in that position, I'm in favor. I'm not in F them picks mode. I'm not in just completely screw up your, your, your balance sheet uh, mode, but anything that doesn't mesh with go win a Lombardi next year. I'm not that enthusiastic about. So, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it, it feels like you're answering this as Mo, the Bengals season ticket holder. Yes. What about Mo, the talk <laughs> show host? Is that good for business if they sit on their hands and do nothing that first week? Because sometimes angst can drive calls and drive conversation. And Or would you drive like ratings. to see? Yes. <laughs> so I think there's. I think for a lot of folks, there's sort of a, the Bengals can do no wrong vibe right now mm. so that whatever approach they take, a lot of people are going to go, you know what? They know what they're doing. I don't know that this is going to, let's say next week comes and goes and there's nothing of significance that happens. I don't know that you're going to get the typical public pushback um, because I, I do think this team has built up enough equity that 
you're going to have a lot of folks who just sort of defer to whatever it is they do. It's it's interesting, you know, with the uh, NFLPA report card thing that came out last week. I mean, I, I saw some of the same people who for years would just blast the Bengals were like, ah, well, these coddle players don't need vitamins. What do we? <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's, I think you're going to have that. I think there's going to be a, you know what, regardless of what they do in free agency, assuming you know, let's assume they keep Von Bell and keep Hayden Hurst. This this is going to be a pretty good football team by the end of next week or by the end of two weeks from now. Um, but at the same time, again, specifically on the offensive line, if, if we get to September and it looks like it did early in the season last year, or if we get to September and this offense isn't functional the way we think it can be, or if we get to September and Joe Burrow is taking a ton of hits, you're going to have a lot of folks who default back to uh, the third week of March. I think it's the third week of March the middle of March and go, God, they should have been a little bit more aggressive at that position group in, in particular. But I, I think most folks are sort of willing to kind of go along with whatever it is the Bengals do. I mean, I think up to and including it, it feels like a moot thing to talk about right now, up to and including trading T Higgins. Like, let's say we got to that point and they did it. Nobody wants that to happen, but if they did, I think you'd have a lot of people who are like, well, you know, okay, Duke knows what he's doing. Bengals know what they're doing. They still have Burrow. They still have Chase, still have a good team. Um, I think you're seeing that with some of the the, the conversations about uh, Joe Mixon too, right? Where here's a a player who among um, a certain chunk of the fan base is very, very popular. I, I think, you know, obviously everybody understands positional value when it comes to running backs, but I think now there is a sense of, all right, well, they'll, they'll cut him loose and they'll they'll spend the money better elsewhere. I think this team has has gotten and to a degree deserves um, a little bit of the benefit of the doubt when it comes to how they approach the offseason because they've done so well in recent years. And I think fans are mostly smarter. Um, yes. And, sure. You know, then then even even five years ago when there was a lot of questions to why they were doing or, you know, during the the run from 11 to 15, where I think there was a lot of misunderstanding of what their philosophy was and and yelling during March and then realizing in in the season that, OK, you get it now. But I also, you know, at the same time, though, I, I, and this was a question, Mo, that I asked last week and kind of based off some of the conversations that we had. And, and we talked about it when when we were doing shows from the combine without you last week was that, look, it, how did being so close two years in a row change you? Whether we're talking about as a coach or as the way you do business as a GM, and and Duke Tobin was sort of unwavered. You know, mm-hmm. uh, of it's not going to change the way that I believe you build a team. And, and as happy as I was with what happened, and as hard as it was for the the end to end the way it did, it's not going to change his philosophy of how he thinks he gets back and gives himself more cracks at it from the coaching staff. There was a little bit more of a, I don't like to say, I'm not going to put words in their mouth and say change, but how can it not affect yeah. you? Because coaching is so much more fluid. You're, you're here and then you're gone. And there, you know, it's like the fact that they've been here for five years, sounds feels like, you know, 40, how can it not? Can you not feel like, oh, you want that little bit of of aggression this year? And I and I I wonder, you know, how well you would be able to handle that if they get close again and don't make it, and then you think back to March, like you said. To me, that's it's. Then you're talking three years in a row, and it feels like, gosh, if the last three years just would have made one extra move, maybe it would have made the one that made the difference. Yeah, it, it's sort of reflective of of the difference between the two jobs, though, right? A, a coach's job is to coach today. 
today's practice, this week's game, this season, Duke Tobin's job is next year, three years from now, five years from now. It's just, it's, it's a nature of, and by the way, that's how a lot of businesses are run, right? I mean, mm -hmm. and, and by the way, the, the coaching staff, think of everything they have to gain by winning a title next year. Think Lou Anarumo isn't even given further consideration to be a head coach if they win one next year. Brian Callahan probably is a head coach somewhere in 2024 if they win a title this coming season. So I think that's kind of reflective of just the nature of the two jobs. And, you know, we as we as fans, you said something that, that I think is important. I think we're in the era of the really smart, educated sports fan. I could just tell you in the course of doing what I've done for the last 15 years, the amount of resources available to the general public to educate you on every aspect of team building and managing a team and coaching a game and evaluating players. It's, it's made fans a lot savvier. And I think to a degree, a lot more willing to not knee jerk emotionally. You're always going to find people who do that. And so I think you can make decisions. You know, it's I, I've I've talked about that as it relates to the Reds, not so much the last couple of years, but you know, with with some of the guys that they were willing to kind of move on from, right? Like fans kind of get it now, and and I'm not sure that that was the the case to the same degree uh, 10, 15 years ago. So I I think that plays in their favor. But yeah, look, at the end of the day, we want to see this team win a title, and so I think the way the coaches might look at it is is a, a little bit more. I don't know, aligned with how folks like us, I want to see the Bengals win a, a Super Bowl. And right now what happens in 2025 is just not that interesting to me. I want to see them win a championship. But that's not Duke Tobin's job. Duke, Duke's job is to look at the big picture and, and figure out a way to accomplish both. That is the role of any general manager. Now, again, some teams are in a position to win now. Some teams, not so much. Duke Tobin has one that is. And so, again, if if you said, okay, you could take the hyper-aggressive route or you can be a little bit more passive over the next couple of weeks, I would fall in favor of hyper-aggressive. But I'm a fan who cares about one thing, and that's winning the Super Bowl in 11 months. When it, when it comes to the uh, intelligent fan conversation, I go back to the fact that Nothing is more popular during the course of the year outside of January, if they're in the playoffs for us, than right now. Like yeah. March and April, we have more eyeballs, more listeners, more people that are engaged into what we're doing than even during the season. Five years ago, even when the Bengals were bad, that just wasn't the case. But now I just feel like because there's so much more of an understanding of how it all works, there's an embracing of how it all works more so and, and the rise of the draft and all that stuff. But I mean, I just think that's part of the information age has been a much larger appreciation and understanding of what happens right now. All right, I want to do 40 seconds with you, or uh, three downs. Uh, so a reminder of how this works for those that haven't been around for a while. Uh, and just for each of us, I'm giving you 40 seconds on the clock to offer your take. We have not discussed what these topics are going to be. This is completely out of the blue for you. And you're going to try to hit the post three downs, 40 second clock. And uh, we'll see how you do. First down. Are you ready, Mo? No, my, but go ahead. Here's my handy-dandy <laughs> clock here that we're going to put up against uh, for our YouTube channel, folks. Okay. First down, the NFLPA survey meant what to you? Uh, the, the Bengals have some things to do to create a place that people love coming to work at. 
that didn't make any sense. Any good employer wants feedback from their employees. NFL teams are getting it. The good news is the stuff the Bengals have been told to fix is pretty easy to fix. Provide vitamins, open up the cafeteria on Tuesdays, and give uh, the wives and girlfriends of the players a place to take their kids during games. This isn't hard stuff. That's, that's a good thing. Um, Bengals have come a long way. They've got to come a little bit further. Every employer should want a place where their employees love coming to work. Well done. Well done. Hit it perfectly. Uh, you know what would be great is if like Jay's at the owner's meetings and talking with Katie and Elizabeth and ask them about this and their take was, you know what? Leave the wives and girlfriends on the bathroom floor <laughs> nursing. <laughs> Leave them there. They don't deserve a room. Like, I mean, it's just, you're right. It's so easy. And particularly yeah. some of the changes. I, I think a lot of that is what more companies should do. And that is want feedback. Yes. Speak more to your people that are doing the work every day about what they like or don't like. Because a lot of times the stuff that people get real lit up about is pretty easily fixed. That's a general you, business. You want, thing. Pe you want people to want to work for you, whether yes. you're an NFL team or any other company, including a multimedia, multinational media company that owns thousands of radio stations and podcasts across the, the different. No, no, we wouldn't. Of course. Just kidding about that. Uh, second down for you, Mo, I'll move you on. Yeah. Uh, if you had to place a bet no, you, I know you wouldn't do these types of things, but of just course. if I'm forcing yeah. you to, if you had to place a bet on another AFC North team besides the Bengals to win the division next year, who would it be? Uh, I'd say the Cleveland Browns. I think they have a decent roster. Deshaun Watson is a physically gifted quarterback who's going to go through a normal offseason. We can take issue with a lot of things when it comes to Deshaun Watson, but he's not that far removed from having a statistically superior season. I did think he played better as the year went on. I don't trust the Baltimore Ravens to build a, build a good offense. I simply don't. And I know there was a lot of excitement about Kenny Pickett late in the process, late in the season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm still sitting on my hands as it relates to him. The Cleveland Browns are going to have Deshaun Watson for 17 games in a good roster, a good defense. I would say the Cleveland Browns. Well done. You're, you're just, you're such <laughs> a pro. You're such yeah. a pro. Yeah. Uh, we will see. I, I might lean Pittsburgh there. I would only point out no one has, in fact, ever won the AFC North three years in a row since it's been the AFC North. Uh, Let's try. He, since he's so good at this, don't hold the clock up. See if he can do 40 oh, seconds in his head. Mentally? No chance. Zero <laughs> chance. No, no. I, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to do Any that. Any producer that I've ever worked with would say there is zero chance of that happening. <laughs> yeah. The ones that want to rename your show late for a break. Is that the, the ones? Uh, <laughs> okay. So we're going to wrap it up with this one. And here's why I definitely wouldn't do that. Because my question mm -hmm. here is, how do the Reds make you feel today? Eh. Today? <laughs> today. Eh. They're not going to be good this year. Now, I I can get excited about Christian Encarnacion Strand, who's hitting like 800 down there in Arizona, and I could bang on the table that he should be on the team this year. I am excited about baseball coming because I love baseball. I love warm weather. I love going to the ballpark. I love listening to the games. I think Nick Crawl has done a really good job over the last 11 months, given the the mandate he's gotten from ownership. But at the end of the day, the part that I love most about baseball is major league baseball games and talking about them. And they're going to be largely irrelevant yet again this season. Oh, 
So Perfect. good. Well done. Uh, I'm I'm with you on that. I, I'm I'm talking myself into the into excitement. You know, giving myself. Yeah. Okay, if we if you're not gonna if we're not gonna be tracking wins, uh, because that will make you sad. Track mm-hmm. the things that you feel like are the important mileposts this team sure. needs to hit this year. Whether we're talking about the big three pitchers, whether we're talking about the development of. X, Y, and Z prospect no or doubt. Ellie De La Cruz or whatever it is. I think you can talk yourself, you can always talk yourself into investment if you feel drawn to it. Just need a had, little bit more to draw you in. I had Keith Law from The Athletic on my show two weeks ago, raves about the system. And I even said, like, look, people in town are kind of angry at ownership. But I think sometimes the front office unfairly gets lumped in with them. I think the front office kind of knows what they're doing. You might not like what they've been told to do, but I think they know what they're doing. I think we did this during the trade deadline last year. I'm going to stick with Nick. We did a whole show on that. It was stupid, but <laughs> I think they know what they're doing. I, I I think there is a pretty good chance that in a couple of years, we're going to look back on all this and go, wow, what they did in the short term sucked, but look at this array of talent. At the same time, ownership has lost a lot of faith. That's on them. And I love baseball because I love major league baseball games. And when your team is going to go into a season, almost guaranteed to lose more than they win, it it, it mitigates uh, the excitement. I'm a little bit disappointed though, Why? because one thing, well, you know, the New York Knicks have won nine consecutive games. Yeah. The hottest team in the NBA right now. Mm-hmm. They're going to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They, they could be playing deep into June. And I really thought that that would be one of the, I even wore the hat for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you love to crush me when the Knicks are awful, which they always are. I just, I thought, I, I thought you were going to lob me in Knicks question. I was setting it up more for when they're closer to the action, being in like the playoffs are about okay. to start. I just want, okay. I don't want to waste the Knicks thing. You want me talking about the Knicks every week? Are we going to start a whole Knicks section and record right it, send yes. it to our Knicks podcast? Yeah, I, I w- congratulations. Yes. Congratulations. I want to go on Fred Katz podcast, the Knicks beat writer for the yeah. Athletic, and I want to I want to talk about the Knicks. Can you make that happen? I'll send him a message right now and let him know that you'd like to be on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Please do. I, I, Deuce McBride, Molar High School. You should be all about this. That's true. I'm, I am all about this, and I'm happy to dedicate hours upon hours to his greatness. But I mean, it's just not today. I met Deuce McBride's mom on Saturday. Oh, and she came up to me and said, "Are you really that big of a Knicks fan?" <laughs> I, yeah. yeah i really she I, was, I had her i had her son on my show this this past summer and she thought i was making all that up like, <laughs> I, I really didn't have him on because he's from molar I, I had him on because i had a chance to get a new york nick on my show yes, yeah was- perfect any tie you can get all right mo i will see you uh this afternoon for three to four on espn fifteen thirty. we'll do an hour all right guys thanks later See you. Uh, all right, Mo Egger from ESPN 1530. Great to have him on here with us as always. Um, he'll eventually leave. There he goes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so we will uh, – I wanted to kind of piggyback um, off that and have that kind of send us into the free agency conversation. Um, and that's kind of the main ta- – I mean, the main point was what we just talked through with Mo, and that is this is – that's who this team is going to be in free agency. This is this is not going to be a big spender. This is not going to be the team that's out there in the first 5 minutes. They may not be out there at all in the first week with anybody but their own guys that they're trying to keep everybody together with. And it's just just really important to keep that in mind when you're setting your expectations. And I noticed that through a lot of these questions. And and that being kind of the first one. And, and I thought the 
you know, that one from Tasha B that we used uh, was was a good starter, but she also included in it something that's maybe more relevant, and that was, do you think any higher-end free agent takes less to play in Cincinnati? Now, higher-end free agent? Um, perceived higher-end free agent might be more the na- the way to phrase that. Someone who thought they were going to be a high-end free agent was not, was severely disappointed. And then here's a contender uh, with, you know, a quarterback that you know is going to have him there and a culture that you heard is great sitting there. And you may not be thrilled with the money, uh, but you're thrilled with the spot and you're willing to, you know, kind of sacrifice one for the other. I think that is the more likely scenario. I don't think there's going to be any high-end free agent defined by the dollars they receive, at least not one that hasn't played for the Bengals before, that that ends up in Cincinnati this year. Yeah, because when you're talking about high-end free agents, there's going to be a lot of bidders. It's going to be all about the money. Typically, those are the guys that are ending free agency for the first time. They're not seeing the end of their career on the horizon. They they all have this confidence about, I can go be a difference maker. And so when you talk about someone that's going to take less to be a part of something special, those the ring chasers, so to speak, those are the guys that this might be their last run at free agency. And um they're they're willing to take a little less to get that one good shot at winning a ring. And that's that is not a high end guy. So um I, I think that would be more like what you would see. Um what what you laid out, you know, maybe a guy that that is perceived to be a high end guy and doesn't get the money. I don't know I don't know. Does would that be a case where they they want to sign a a short deal uh, and and make a run and try to make bet on themselves so to speak and then re-enter free agency again next year? Take that one year higher end. Maybe you see something like that. But I think the more likely scenario would be these guys that are right at the the end that can come in and be a, a solid depth piece, um, not necessarily a difference maker, but a a, a strong contributor and try to get that last shot at winning a ring. Yeah. I mean, I think guys that have one or two real years left, not mm-hmm. not 34 hanging no. on. I mean, but a guy that, you know, can really play for you this year in some capacity but knows this is kind of the end um towards the end. And, and but it's an interesting spot cuz they've never that's one thing they haven't really done. And they've mm-hmm. gotten away from touching any of these guys that are going to be 30 in the contract. But if you feel like there's, if you're not signing up for a long run, it's a little bit easier to do. And I think they feel like they can get that player. Now that player doesn't even have to be older. I think they really feel like, you know, the, the PR, so to speak uh, around the team. And I guess you would hope that they don't, care as much about that NFLPA survey stuff. Um, but the PR in general around the team is the word is out about the culture. The word is out that you're going to be playing potentially in the Super Bowl. You can get a ring, Burrow, how happy people that play here have been the last few years. I think that's out. And so you're hoping that that helps you win some third wave, second wave battles without breaking the bank. Now, who those guys are, um, you know, yet yet to be seen. Certainly, if it's one of these, um, swing tackle extra free agent 
type guy, whether we're talking about Cam Fleming or Jermaine Louis Menor, really struggle. <laughs> my tongue, my tongue rejects that name for some reason. Uh, or whoever that that um, George Fant, you know, whatever, mm. somebody that could come in and, and maybe you win those battles um, is is kind of a perception of of where it goes. But Mike McGlinchey, Orlando Brown, like. Not even a non-starters. Jawan Taylor, non-starters, non-starters. Um, which brings us to uh, Ethan Wagner, run pass or boot. Which Chiefs tackle are the Bengals more likely to pick up? Orlando Brown, Wiley, or neither, or hail mary both. <laughs> um, uh, I've got I've got to run with neither, just because it's. I mean, it's. You got a one and I don't want to say one in 32 shot, but it's, it's just if you're picking a specific team that you're going to grab somebody from, it's just it's not as likely. I just Wiley's kind of in that he's touching 30. He's never really been great. He's been serviceable. I think if they're if you're going to get someone in that range, it's going to be a Luminor or someone that has a track record that's a little bit younger, going to be a little cheaper. Um, Brown just I mean, you just said it. McGlinchey pipe dream. Well, then what do you think Brown is? Brown's probably going to make seven or eight million more than McGlinchey. That's just not a. That, I liked your the direction you went on the choose your own adventure. Where like just screw it, get you can't draft tackles well. Quit trying, go sign one of these guys. But they, I mean, they they made it pretty clear at the combine that's not the direction they're thinking of going. Um, so I, I I would I would run with neither. I would pass on Wiley and I would boot Brown. It's the equivalent of sliding into a celebrity's DMs for a date, Orlando <laughs> Brown. I'd say like you're you're Joe Schmo with 89 followers and you're an egg, okay, for your avatar, and you go try to slide in on Ryan Reynolds or Kate Upton or insert any celebrity here. That's the Orlando Brown hope. That people are that people should have right now. That's yeah. the level of hope that I would have. That's my level of hope for you. It's a D, it's a celebrity DM slide, is what it is. Um, Wiley, I mean, he'll be there. Mm-hmm. I think Kansas City fans were kind of trying to get rid of him most of the year, and they sort of felt like they were winning in spite of him, and they got the bad turf at the Super Bowl. I think that helped give him one final you know go out on top moment he was serviceable enough i mean they they want to Bowl with him um which speaks to the point of the are there are there good left tackles or excuse me are there good right tackles like should we start naming them you want to go through the right tackles on the teams that won that were in the final four that were in the final eight do we want to talk about their right tackle play um and this is not me I mean, I'm just there's just not a lot out there. Mm. There's there's a lot of teams that are winning and, and don't necessarily have great play at that position. Um and Kansas City would be an example of one of them. Finding finding ways to overcome. I would yeah, I'd run with neither and I'd yeah. pass pass Wiley Boot Brown. And these guys are the exact opposite of what we were talking about before. We're chasing the ring. They have the ring. Now they're chasing the money. They're they are gonna go absolute highest bidder, and that's just the Bengals aren't going to outbid anybody for these two guys. And, you know, the opposite of the tight end thing in a rough, rough tackle draft, 
as far as getting one that can be real right away, there appears to be three that you could count on to be real right away. Hmm. Um, I think you're going to see that market go up. Um, teams have more money. Teams always have need. There's not a lot of draft picks you can count on. Guys like Wiley end up getting enough money that you're sitting there saying, how did he get that? Yeah. Right? And you say, ugh. Right? Well, the draft has a lot to do with that too. There's another thing um, philosophically I want to talk about. Um, and this is kind of, I'm trying to think if there was a question I wanted to touch on this. I don't know if there is. If there is, I'll come back to it. I just wanted to make this point. Um, keep an eye on what's been happening with the Chiefs. This is the future. Okay? This is what happens. Even Mahomes taking a very, by all accounts, team-friendly, despite its massive nature, contract. Um, and it's really, the cap hits have really started to hit, and they structured it in ways where they can go in and out of taking bigger hit or smaller hit, depending on where they're at with their team, are now going to go try and win next year, having had to say goodbye to Tyreek Hill because of money, had to say goodbye to Orlando Brown because of money, heck, even throw in Wiley, had to say goodbye to Frank Clark because of money. Like, this is what happens. You now have to go win without those guys and replace them with draft picks, and so much of your roster is filled with nothing but draft picks on the minimum to, to make up for it. Those guys have to dominate. Those guys have to be great. When we talk about the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl last year, Yes, talk about Mahomes overcoming Tyreek Hill and the way they restructured the offense was so, I mean, it was a masterclass in legend making when it comes to mm. Patrick Mahomes, like deserves it all. They've drafted their face off the last two years and gave those guys time to develop and invested in those guys develop and lived through some speed bumps with those guys developing on the fly because they had to. And they're going to have to do it again next year. And they're going to have to find new tackles, new edge rushers to come take their place that can give you some the same level of play that you were getting. That's what happens. That's what happens next. It's not that it can't be done. They, in fact, just did it. It's that it's just so much harder to hit when you have to hit on a bunch of draft picks all the time. Um, it's just the nature of the draft. It's just something to think about when you start thinking about. We talk a lot about the next level with Burrow. Um, I, I look at what's happening with the Chiefs right now which I'm sure Bengals fans would be thrilled to still be in the <laughs> afterglow of a parade. Uh, but, you know, that is, that's just kind of the reality of where it goes. That was the point I was going to make. If Bengals fans are saying, you give us two, two championships in four years, I don't care what kind of speed bumps you put in front of us. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's go from Kyle at Bershice. He named one unlikely cut candidate and one unlikely free agent signing. You could see come to fruition did you what'd you have for this jay well i actually wrote down mcglinchy as the signing just because it unlikely i'm not saying it's going to happen but if if they are going to step out of that comfort zone and do something unlikely you would figure tackle would be the position and he's the guy where um solid proven not the top end like an orlando brown but a guy that's going to cost you a lot of money i just 
I threw him in there. Neither of these are likely. For my cut, I had Tyler Boyd, and I don't see that happening. But if you look, you go back to our worksheet and you look at the the possible cap casualties, you, you would have to view Collins and Mixon as likely. The other four, I feel, were unlikely in the most Get to the most likely of the unlikely would be born 8.9 <laughs> million, uh, 29 uh, in November. Um, I just, I could see that possibly being a conversation, but again, it's super unlikely. And you saw the, you saw his value in his absence in that AFC championship game. I mean, if he doesn't leave that, then maybe that game turns out different. Um, but I just, uh, I, these, they, you you phrased it in your question, unlikely. Not saying either one of these things are going to happen, but if you had to say there was a, a morsel of a chance out there, those would be the, my picks. Yeah, I would say the same um, in terms of the Bengals cut. Unlikely is the – I mean, that's just it. I mean, I, I just don't see them doing that. Mm-mm. But, yeah, the number makes sense. I mean, the, the number of it says, okay, older guy, end of his second contract – position that you feel like you can go get maybe if you got a slot. I mean, to me, it would be Smith and Jigba falls or something Mm -hmm. like that. And you get him and you're like, you know what? He can come in and play right away. And there's something, something out there. And you say, you know what? That money can help. We could get T Higgins maybe done or something or, or somebody is that there's some reason they really feel like they can, they need that money that Boyd has in front of them. The 8.9. Mm-hmm. that they would save against the cap this year. Um, again, unlike, I mean, very unlikely. I I don't see that happening, but so, but that would be the way it would go. And I don't really, I have a hard time with the unlikely for them to sign. Cause I just, I don't think that there's going to be somebody that they spring for. I don't, it's, it's hard to say somebody because I just, I don't think that there's going to be somebody that they're going to aggressively spring for. Um, you know, if there were, if you were picking a position, maybe you would talk about somebody, one of the safeties. I mean, will we talk about? I mean, Poyer's probably going to outprice them. They're not going to be up in that mix. But if they can't get Von Bell, they're going to need to go spend right. on somebody. So you'd be talking about one of maybe the maybe the higher end safeties end up being a direction that you go. Um, that's about it. Just because if their number one priority falls through and they can't get Von Bell back, um then yeah, maybe one of the higher end safeties would, would be one that makes sense. Um, let's move on here. Here you go, Derek Rogers. Let's get to the crux of it. Okay. Do the Bengals sign a punter? If so, who punter talk, Jay, I'll let you lead punter talk. Well, they're definitely going to sign one. It's a matter of is I don't, I haven't even looked at the free agent class what's out there, but you, if they're either going to draft one or sign one as an undrafted free agent after the draft, um, someone's going to come in and compete with Chrisman and and start from scratch. Kind of wrote about it last week that it sounds like Chrisman's not coming in as an incumbent. Someone's going to have to beat him out. It, they are going to start from ground zero and see who the best is. Um, a guy that kind of intrigues me. I, I looked this up. The last year there was four four punters drafted, um, and that was tied for the most in the league since 1991 when five were drafted. So you figure there's going to be a backslide. Maybe maybe two or three get drafted this year and. And Michael Turk is right on the outside of that. Um, he he had very good he was four point two zero hang time this year, one of the best in the country. He he was actually at the twenty twenty combine and had these incredible bench press numbers for a punter. 
and just was bad, <laughs> bad at the drills. And it cost him. And he came back to college and, and kicked or punted for a few more years. Um, he, he's got legacy. He's got two uncles with a combined 31 years of NFL experience, wow. including Matt Turk, who was a three-time Pro Bowl punter. So he's got all this stuff working for him. And I could really see that being, if that's a guy that they could get um, – in undrafted free agency after the draft or take a seventh round flyer on. I think that would be a really interesting uh, battle with Chrisman. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to go too deep into the free agent (laughs) punter conversation. I'm willing. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to go there. Um, But I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know that I have a ton of thoughts. Should I just, you know, uh, I, I I can't I can't even do it I can't even make myself do it I'm trying to like come up with a name to like get really into it and make people excited uh, but I Kevin Huber maybe that's it I don't know how I don't know if he's I don't know if he's interested uh, in that or not um, let's let's just move it on yes yeah, someone will come in someone will compete with Drew mm-hmm. Crispin it may be some veteran uh, the vetman it may be an undrafted I think more likely to be undrafted free agent than drafted. Um, yeah, someone will be in there in that competition. Okay. Uh, if let's see here, we'll go to a, if the board falls and it's a pick them at one of the stud tight ends or one of the stud offensive defensive linemen or secondary. So tight end O line, D line secondary. What's the best investment? Well, Vest, I, I I think the trenches are the best investment. Mm-hmm. Um, you can make I mean I can you can make an argument at corner, um, but I I think Cheeto's still young enough that you could confidently, I think you could confidently get think you could get him under another deal and not feel like you're taking a corner too deep into their thirties. You could get him an extension now. And go in early on a guy before he gets his ACL, comes back from his ACL, and take a chance, and kind of just believe in that recovery. If they were willing to do that, I, I it's it. I just think you just can't have enough trenches. Like I just, mm. I, it wouldn't be O line. I, I would probably say D line, um, because I just know the history of them drafting offensive linemen. So I would probably say D line. Now we go back to, they don't take defensive linemen in the first round ever they don't do it they're very good at finding these guys later in the draft um so maybe it's not what would actually happen but i I think an investment so maybe i'll switch actually off the top of my head secondary d-line and then tight end for the fact is they need to find surplus value on their roster for future years they're losing it they're going to lose it with Chase. They're going to lose it with Burrow. If they do try to pull off the Higgins thing and actually sign him too, you're going to have at some point almost $100 million in value in three, these three positions. You got, you've been living with this surplus where you had these guys at pennies on the dollar and it allowed you to sign X, Y, Z, M N O P Q R S all because of that. Without that, you've got to find quality players at premium positions that would be making $20 million corner 
defensive linemen that can get after the pass, passer. I mean, these are your positions where you can find that premium value, um, surplus value at those big positions and to help make up for some of that on, on your roster. It's funny because the, the position you went last on, I would go first on, which is tackle. But I'm kind of, I'm taking offensive tackle, the, taking the the history aspect out of it and how bad okay. they've been at drafting them. Um, just knowing what the position is and how you can never have enough of those guys. And it kind of part of the way the question was phrased, if one of these elites slide, well, why did they slide? Then that, that, that becomes a big part. It's going to be have a lot to do with who you would take there. Um I think if it's anything physical that causes a guy to slide, then maybe you do pivot away from from an offensive lineman. It's just they've been burned there too many times with with taking guys uh, that either had a history of being hurt or had the 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 heart issue like Jake Fisher in the second round. I just if you're just looking at value in investment, then then I would say offensive tackle just because it is such a these are all premium positions, but going back to what Duke has said, and it wasn't just this year. They've been saying it for years. There's just not enough of them out there. And if if for whatever reason one of those top three guys were to slide, I think – I mean, we're talking about taking Anton Harrison at 28 right now. If, if for whatever reason one of these elite three is sitting there at 28, mm. I think you pull the trigger there. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole – another thing to consider why they would still be around. Mm. Um, okay. Let's go into – do you guys think the inaction on the Burrow extension is an indication that Burrow wants more than the Bengals expected? I do not. No. No. I, I think it's a signal that these things are complicated. There's also reasons why you'd wait. We talked about escrow last week yep. um, and, and the March 31st date on that um, all hitting. I just – I think there's a lot of reasons and – the one thing that they seemed least concerned about last week was where the money range was at. I think they mm-hmm. kind of have a feel of where it's at, and I think they had a willingness to go wherever it needed to go for the most part. To tell you the honest, it's just mostly their main concern is going to be about how it's structured to give them opportunities to stay relevant every year. So quick answer to that one. Um, Tim Carey says, you guys have been saying extending Wilson would be a priority this offseason. Now you're backing away from that. Why would it not be a priority to lock that guy down. I, I don't. When did we say that? I, I don't remember. Well, I don't remember thinking, saying that it would be a priority. Maybe right. I did. I, maybe this will be like on the daily show. Like when they bring the guy, <laughs> the, the, uh, you know, a GOP guy comes on and then they pull out something they said. And then you got to, I, I don't think I viewed it as a priority. I think it was on the list. Mm. I think, I think they're going to try. I think it's at best for both sides. I, I don't know. I could see the Bengals seeing real value in getting Wilson done, but I think for Wilson, he's better off trying to go have a contract year like Jermaine Pratt just had um, and really get paid. Uh, The Bengals would probably prefer to go in early and feel like they could get him at a Mm -hmm. discount because I think his value right now, they know they're going to want him for the long run, I believe, and especially if they let Pratt go, Maybe that's, you know, Pratt leaves, then you extend Wilson and you're willing to do that. Then then that makes sense uh, for the Bengals. But I don't know that it would make sense for Wilson. I think that's something that they'll approach. Is it a priority? I, I don't know. I think they'll try. 
I just don't, I don't know that it should be for Wilson. Yeah. And I, I think we've both been of the mindset that he is a guy you want around for the long term. And he, he's everything good player, locker room guy, everything you want in that position. But just because he's eligible for the extension right now doesn't mean it needs to be a priority. I don't know that we've ever said that he's a guy. I mean, you're talking about Burrow and Higgins being, I mean, how could you say that Wilson is a priority when you have those two guys ahead of him um, on the priority list? And I maybe there maybe just something didn't come through there in the translation, because I do think that he is a part of their future, but getting it done this offseason um, way down the list on priority. However, when, you know, when August comes around, you know, I go back to two guys stand out to me in, if we're going to have the Logan Wilson conversation and that's Tyler Boyd and Sam Hubbard, both got in early. They took a deal where they probably could have tried to get a little bit more. Uh, they took it for a decent amount of years and they they did it for the security, and they're both cases of how that works out for you. They've had security, they've won games, they've been a centerpiece of this rebuild, they've made enough money to make them very rich and seen almost all of it. I mean, we just had the Boyd conversation. How many teams in the league would keep Tyler Boyd versus how many teams would let him go? I think they're more willing to cut bait than they used to be, but there's still going to be a loyalty to a guy named Tyler Boyd, I think. Uh I just I look at Wilson through the lens of those two guys of yeah if 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 he's willing to do that not haggle over a few over 2 to 3 extra million dollars a year sign up and get the security and go in early I think the Bengals would love to do that I think they'd love to make him the next Boyd Hubbard in line and 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 have that be the case Wilson would have to know that he's sacrificing a little bit of going and getting the absolute dollar for saying ah got it you know, got my money, got, you know, and that's a whole other conversation there, but I, I do, I don't think it's impossible. Um, all right, let's keep going down the line. I think we've touched on, oh, if you were Burrow, who would you pick at 28? I like that one. The, from Governor Chief, loyal listener. It's, it's interesting because you would think he would pick an offensive weapon, but we, how many times have we talked about his confidence and you, you get the sense he feels like he has what he needs. Yes. He would like a better offensive line, but again, the, the, the center of that offensive line is pretty solid and that's where he, he most wants the protection. I, I could almost see him saying, go get a difference maker on defense and, and that he's like, I'll take care of the offense. I've got what I need over here. That'll make my job easier if this defense just gets a little bit better. And not that, I mean, what this team has been able to do is a big part of it has been the defense. It's not like the defense has been holding them back. But if you can go get a guy that can give you an extra pass rush to to get more turnovers, more short fields, um, I, I just I, I feel like I don't know what specific position. Maybe it is edge rush. Maybe it's three tech. Uh, knowing how much he hates the pressure up the middle, maybe he would like to see other court the quarterbacks are plagued against get that pressure in their face. Um, but I, I do. I I almost kind of think if he if he was making the pick, he would go defense side. Well, the one premise that one I think you're kind of missing here, and that two that I love about this question is we're Joe Burrow, Jay. In this, <laughs> we are Joe Burrow now. Let me just say, if I was Joe Burrow, my concerns about twenty eight. 
would be the last thing on my mind. Yeah. I would just be running to find whatever pen I could find and write <laughs> down my name on this paper and go cash that that first uh, guarantee. Okay. And then you would be getting a really poor performance out of me for a number of years after that. If I was now again, there's a reason I'm not Joe Burrow. That's probably one of them. Uh, that said, who would he pick at 28? If 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 Joe Burrow were Joe Burrow, who do I think Joe Burrow wants, not knowing at all about his feelings on this topic? Whoever Duke Tobin wants. I yeah. think he's got trust there, man. I think I think he has loved the way he's felt involved. He's loved the way he's felt a part of the conversation. And I think it's hard not to have trust in the decision the front office has made off of that when you look at the way they've drafted in recent years and kind of consistently been able to hit. And I think he'd say, yeah, I like, I'd love to have a, give me a star running back. Give me a, that can catch the ball out of the backfield really well. Give me my Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you know, or, or maybe it is, Give me another receiver so we can get the future going, get young there. I don't, give me a tight end. Maybe that is what he wants. But I think inevitably what he would say is, yeah, these are my thoughts, but I, w- I trust you because you have built that trust in me. So for me, if I can't be Joe Burrow and live my dream personally, then I would say Joe Burrow's thought would, I think he has the trust in Duke and his team to, to get it right. One um, interesting thing about, and it's a different, it's a different sp- sport but it you talking about running and, and getting the pen and then the other question <laughs> about uh why is this taking so long it's i, I find it really interesting because we know these are these are young guys they like to have fun in the off season and i don't know if people saw it but uh chase elliott the nascar driver broke his leg snowboarding and if you're joe burrow well, oh. i mean what do you do right now you're in limbo you're you're about to sign this massive contract i mean do you just bubble wrap yourself and just never go out and do anything fun on for fear or can you not live in that kind of fear where anything you do could could harm your future earnings your future in the game what injury could possibly happen to joe burrow okay no play pick no, up basketball no, 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 and break no, an ankle no so what broken ankle is going to keep the Bengals from investing in joe burrow okay no wood chipper work Okay, like we're not, I don't want you out there. No chainsaws. Like, I don't want you cutting a hand off. Okay, but really, you know what? I'd take Burrow with with just his right hand. If Joe Burrow cut off his left hand tomorrow, I think the Bengals are still paying him. Maybe they'd make it incentive laden, but they'd pay him. I'm just saying, what injury? The, yeah. With the way technology, ACL, we know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Achilles, I'd be see you by the start of the season. Concussion, okay. No skiing for now. All right, no wood chippers. Uh, anything that could skydiving, any, any potential amputation that could come from something, sure. But what are we talking about? Um, all right, let's uh, let's start wrapping this this thing up here. Let's go to Steve Haffer has a good one. When you look back on seasons that you covered, what was the earliest that you knew the team was going to be really bad? And what was the signal that led you to that conclusion? I know mine. Do you know yours, Jay? Well, I had a really hard time answering this because I've covered the team since 2012 on a beat basis. And they were good when I started. And when it's in 16, when it started going south, you, you felt they were coming off that meltdown at Paul Brown. You felt like that 
there was there was no sense going into that season that was going to be bad. Um, Seventeen didn't look dire. Eighteen, I mean, they started off what four and one. Um, so I, I don't remember going into a year. I, I guess if I had to pick one, it would be AJ Green's injury on the first day of practice on on Zach's first year here. But even then, you're <laughs> thinking new regime. We didn't think the injury was going to be that bad right off. So I, I don't remember there really being an early period where you're like, oh, they're just going to suck this year. Um, there's a few. I I always feel like opening day tells you a lot because there's perception gets built now things change it doesn't mean it doesn't again you named off some seasons where they started out just fine and ended up terrible um i could point out to you um 2010 went sideways and you had some inclination when they got their butts kicked in new england uh, that okay oh this is not what you thought it was going to be um that said 2017 opener against Baltimore. They lose 20 to nothing. They can't move the ball. They started their season henceforth. Punt, interception, interception, punt, interception, punt, fumble. <laughs> punt, punt. That's how their season, they, they couldn't do anything. They would proceed to lose on Thursday night, and Ken Zampezi got fired after that. It was immediate of they are in trouble. And they they ended up salvaging mediocrity, I guess. But it was immediate that they had totally miscalculated all of this. And that game against Baltimore, I will never forget thinking, this team wasn't supposed to be this bad. How did it, how was it that bad? Um, and you kind of knew right then this was going to be a long season. And yeah, the first day. The first Zach Taylor practice in Dayton, yeah, that wasn't great. Um, but you didn't know. And I think mm-hmm. having seen enough Marvin seasons, 20 to nothing, punt, interception, interception, punt, interception, punt, fumble. You kind of knew. That was that was that was uh that's probably mine. Um okay. Uh last question. Mitch G wants to know who's running a better 40 time, you or Jay? This is easy. I I mean, I don't need, I know Paul, you, you might struggle to run. I know you, you had a back issue, but I just, I, I would still put my money on you. I, oh. uh, I had my annual physical yesterday. I got the, uh, the diet and exercise talking to from my doctor and I uh, haven't, <laughs> I have not run in a, uh, in a quite a long time. I just, I don't, I mean, if I get a did not finish, is that a better time? Because it would be a lower, it would be a zero, it would be a lower time than whatever you would run it in. But I, I don't know. I, I don't know what you could do. I know what I could do, and I'm going to put my money on you. Uh, I can't do much. I can tell you that much. <laughs> a back and two bad knees. I have had, but I, I, I get some regular work having to like, we're doing the teach my daughter how to ride the bike right now. So there's like mm. some, some kind of light running involved, some fearful. I've had to do the yes, adrenaline, the, yeah, the adrenaline <laughs> run of like, Oh no, going over the steps uh, or, or whatever. Any number of times I, I am jumped on having to carry. So I, I can do it, but I can do the elliptical. Like could I do an mm. elliptical 40? That helps me. My knees are so bad. That's the problem. 
elliptical 40. I, 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 I think that might be a good We I think I could give you a, a run for your money in that one. Yeah. That'd I, be I really, two old men on an elliptical only running 40 yards and then stopping <laughs> is truly the height of folly is what that is. Um, all right. Uh, let's let's Arby's this thing and get out of here. What do you got, Jay? So you talked about it earlier, um, or I think it was before you even came on about uh, the, all the activity on Instagram this weekend. And I just I could not help but think we 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 saw the pictures of uh, Joe Burrow and his girlfriend Olivia at uh, Justin Hilliard, who played at, at St. Xavier in Ohio State. Uh, he had his wedding this weekend. Joe Burrow and Olivia were there, and in my mind, I'm just thinking, I know, I know enough people. I was kind of in this situation. It was a little different because my wife and I dated for five years before we got married, which seems like a long time, but three of those years were in college and you're not going to get, most people don't get married when they're in college unless they have to. Um, but I, and then it was two years when we got out. It's like, you want to get settled and established. I mean, Joe Burrow financially is established and they've been dating for a long time. And I can just imagine, I don't know Olivia at all. I don't know their relationship, but You've been dating for a long time and you're at a wedding. Oh, I spot. just, yes, I, I just, there's probably, I don't know if it's overtly said or just kind of looks, but you know that the clock is ticking on any female when you've been dating for a long time and you're wondering, Hey, when's that going to be us up there? Yeah, that's, that's a tough spot. Anytime <laughs> yes. you've been in a relationship for multiple years and you're at a wedding, and you've potentially had this conversation already mm -hmm. before. And it's like, yeah, you know, we will. And you're in the like, put it off mode. Like every <laughs> dude has spent a significant amount of time in put it off mode. We're mm -hmm. like, all right, you know, well, yeah, there's some reason you make up. You know, I want to, I really want to get this job thing. I want to feel settled in my job or, or <laughs> I want to be, feel more, you know, if I, I just got to wait till I get a good contract or, and he's like, oh, he's like, oh man. Just don't. We'll get there. You just got to get check some other boxes first. You're you're making up boxes. Yeah, that's that's the when you got to sit there at the wedding and you know what's being mm -hmm. thought the whole time. Yeah. It's a tough spot. It's a tough spot. We've all been there. Everyone's been there. You just got to fight the good fight, whatever that fight is for you. <laughs> Maybe that fight is that I don't need to fight anymore. Maybe that fight is to find a, a new box to check off. Uh, yeah, we've all we've all been there. Um, I'll say, you know, I, I, this is kind of a funny story. What was one I was told by some friends I hung out with last week and, uh, that they actually happened to be at a work conference at a hotel where Zach Taylor and his, his wife, Sarah had gone to get away on vacation after the season ended. And there was whatever her, her work was also there for like a convention. And I won't give away where any of that is or who anyone is in this scenario but you know like oh was there and was like oh my gosh zach taylor right and it was like and even had a few acquaintances was like you know what i could approach with the oh you know i know uh cincinnati and saw him and was thinking of, had gone through this whole conference seen him a few times in the halls and all of a sudden getting ready to go leave and sees there 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 he is with his wife like almost getting into a car like almost right getting ready to get in a car right next to him or waiting on an Uber or something like that and gets ready to approach. And he goes, here's him go. Oh, I just right now finally feel like I can relax. And she's like, stops in her tracks. Like, okay, maybe that won't be the moment. 
Then I approach when you finally, after all of this, feel like you could relax for one second. And I'm like, hey, I'm from Cincinnati. (laughs) (laughs) And should have opened with a like, when's that Burrow deal getting done? Right? Like, (laughs) uh, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. It was a good good story I caught up with last week. Um, All right. That will wrap us up. Thanks for everybody that has uh, taken in the podcast this week. We are into emergency podcast mode mm-hmm. um of course we plan on being back uh early next week next tuesday into our normal slot but between now and then and really throughout these next few weeks we'll hop into emergency mode um and whenever big news breaks we will react and record and have some stuff up for you but with uh outside of that sort of our normal timing is all part of it just the, the point of this is be ready Keep an eye on what's going on and know that if something big enough is happening, we will be the judge of that, not you. You guys want some emergency podcasters from really minimal crap, okay? But if something really big is happening, we're happy to uh, jump onto it and we'll do so. So anyway, thanks everybody for listening and we will talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody. 